Hey there, everybody. It's Tina Conrad, aka DJ Breast Cancer. And I'm here with a very special guest. I've been like sliding into her DMs for a long time now. Her name is Mindy Miller. She is really, really candid. She's vulnerable. She's real. And I just relate to her on so many levels. Um, she was a very young breast cancer survivor diagnosed at the age of 29. Um, she describes that faith permeates her. And I think in this conversation, um, you will definitely hear that. She is a loving wife um, and she's just really steadfast and refusing to let cancer steal her joy. And I feel like that's still a part of her um, every day today. Um, she's really open and shares a lot on social media and I just love her vulnerability and just her willingness to connect um, with the community at large. So welcome Mindy, so great to have you. Hi, Tina. Thank you for having me. Thank you for that lovely introduction as well. <laughs> yes, I know we've connected for a long time. I've been, I've been stalking you a little bit. It's, it's normal though, but I'm just so glad that we were able to finally connect and for you to share your story today. Thank you. The stalking is mutual. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, um, you know, obviously I always feel like guests can describe themselves in their own words, you know, the best. So if you want to describe just a little bit, maybe about who Mindy is, doesn't have to all be cancer because I get it. We're not all our cancer story, but then a little bit too about, you know, just that diagnosis and, you know, how, who you are at the time and, and a little bit about your cancer journey just in general. Sure. So for me, I am 34 currently. I'm a speech language pathologist. I work with the older adult generation, primarily geriatrics at a skilled nursing facility here in Southwest Missouri, where, where I live. Um, I've been practicing for about 10 years now, graduated with my master's back in 2011. Um, health and fitness have always been a part of my life and, you know, trying to give back to others. So I think, you know, that, that, Part of me that gives back in my work is the part of me, you know, that you describe too, as I, you know, share my story on social media, not for myself really, but for others, you know, I say that is to, to drop breadcrumbs throughout the internet too, you know, to, to be there, you know, if there's somebody who's newly diagnosed or somebody who's, who's needing encouragement just to always be, um, you know, a voice and a person who's there. So, so that's my heart at the core. Um, so my, my cancer journey began back in uh, 2016 when I was 29 years old. I had been in my fitness prime, so I, I felt I felt good. Um, I was newly engaged. I had been engaged to be married at that time for about three years. We had already started planning our wedding. We had gone and we'd already booked our venue. You know, things were getting paid for. Um, you know, things were full speed ahead for that. And it was a late January day. I believe it was a weekend. Um, I'd been outdoors running. It was, it was cold. Um, I was working on some hill work and I came back in my, my home. I lived by myself at the time um, in my duplex. And I, I came in to, to warm up and I sat down on my couch. And that was when I crossed my arms and sort of gave myself a hug. And I was, uh, you know, alarmed to find a lump. It was quite large. And I was a you know, small breasted woman still, still am on the smaller side, even after reconstruction. But um, yeah, I was alarmed to find that there. I, I, you know, I, I bathe, I shower, I attend to my body. I know my normal and I knew that wasn't normal at all. And so that was, was where it all began. Um, I, I called my doctor the next day 
got right into her office. I even had my mom and a couple friends feel it just to make sure it wasn't something that I was, you know, just imagining to be what it was. Um, but my doctor, you know, fortunately, she, she took my situation very seriously. I got right into her office within a day or two. And I, I, I could tell that she was concerned for me right from the start. So she ordered the diagnostics, you know, as quickly as possible. And we all know that that's never immediate. Um, you know, I believe it was about a, a and a half to two, two week time period before we could begin that. So, you know, my, my then fiance, now husband and I, we, we were, you know, still in relatively new chapters of our relationship together. We were engaged, but we'd been together maybe a year. So, you know, we went from thinking of all the fun, you know, lighthearted things that we would do to having very, very serious conversations ahead. So from that point, um, you know, the diagnostics began. And before I knew it, I was diagnosed with a stage two invasive ductal carcinoma. My tumor was um, triple positive. So uh, estrogen receptor positive also. So my uh, estrogen that my body was, was creating was um, not doing me any favors in that regard. My tumor wound up being a quickly um, proliferating uh, cell makeup. And so, you know, I was 29. I had never had children. I had never been married. My uh, then fiance, Ryan and I, we, we had a lot of questions, you know, before chemo started and uh, fortunately, we were able to get right in with the fertility doctor. The closest one to where we live at the time was three and a half hours away. So the same day I was getting my second opinion for my cancer treatment um, at St. Louis University, or no, at Washington University in St. Louis, I was able to get that second opinion or the consult for the fertility specialist. And, you know, they explained the egg retrieval process and that would have taken at the time, you know, about a week two weeks and I would have had to have driven that three and a half hours to St. Louis multiple times a week. And, you know, our hearts were heavy and my Ryan and I, we just, we just said, God, give this to you. You know, we're, we're going to try with, you know, these fertility issues. We've established care. If there are any issues, you know, down the road, we can always circle back. But for now, you know, it, it's all fine and good if the fertility clinic has, has my eggs, but if I'm not here, you know, they're, they're not really going to benefit us. So we decided to um, take my oncologist guidance and just begin treatment right away. So we did that. And so there was about five months of the, of chemotherapy. I was able to do that locally. And, you know, through that time, I really did struggle quite a bit, you know, the, the illness part of it. I felt a lot of pressure um, on myself to somehow maintain my full-time job because I was not yet married. I was 29, so no longer on my parents' insurance. Um, if I wanted my medical bills paid for, I had to have a full-time job with insurance benefits. So at that point, you know, I explored options and utilized intermittent FMLA, which was an absolute godsend, and stay home about seven to 10 days after each chemo treatment. And then I would kind of uh, return to work as best I could. A lot of times, you know, it was that analogy of the duck swimming on a pond, you know, on the surface, I would look pretty calm and cool, but underneath, you know, I, under, underwater, I was thrashing. 
um, just trying to get forward, trying to get through the days, you know, um, really digging deep into the depths that I didn't know that I encompassed. Um, one of the one of the things that inspired me was the footprints poem, and it, it's lingered with me to this day. Such that in, in my home, I have a have a plaque that says, you know, that final line. Um, it was then that I carried you, because through everything we went through, you know, the complications with even reconstructive surgeries, the hardest times through chemo, um, you know, I know that I was. I was never set down. I was, I was always with God and God was always carrying me. He was carrying my family. He was carrying, you know, Ryan, my, my then fiance. Um, it, it was a hard time, but, but we were able to, to press onward with that. One thing um, that was very monumental for me before uh, I even started chemo, I had had one day where I was just driving um, after an appointment or after work, I felt like God was calling me somewhere. I really wasn't sure where he was calling me. So I kept driving. I was by myself, you know, locally in town and, um, my uh, Ryan and I, we had been looking for a house because at that time, you know, we were both living like sardines in my tiny little duplex. He had moved in with me the day I was diagnosed, put all his earthly belongings in a storage, uh, in a storage unit with the exception of like, couple outfits and some toiletries. And, um, so, so we were ready to, you know, move, move forward, even though we were still moving through cancer and I was driving and I thought, well, God, God's got a house. He wants me to see. And so I keep driving to these different neighborhoods. And next thing I know, I'm, I'm driving into, it's called the nature center locally. It's like a protected trail system. Um, you know, there's boardwalks, there's tra wooded trails, turkey, deer, all that good stuff, a um, couple hundred acres. So, so I'm walking by my kind of aimlessly. I don't really know what's going on at that point. And uh, I found a white cross. Um, it looked like someone had, I have no idea what it was. It was like ban two white banners that made a perfect cross in the grass. It wasn't an X, it was a cross. It was a distinct cross. And and I have photos of that that I took at the time. And um, it, that was, I think, one of my really, one of my first signs that I wasn't alone in what I was going through, that, that God was making himself visible to me. I tend to be a stubborn person. And sometimes I don't always see things for what they are, even when they're looking me in the face. So for quite some time, I've, I've even in my prayers, I've, I've asked God, like, I need you to thump me over the head with this one. You know, I, <laughs> you know, that I don't always see clearly, you know, I'm stubborn. I, I, I am a chronic overthinker. You know, I try not to jump to conclusions. So I, I need you to make yourself visible. I need to see you. And I think I know that that was God presenting himself to me um, on that trail that day. Cause I have no idea how I ended up there. I was just driving and then, then I'm on foot and then I'm in the woods. And then there's this white cross before me and, you know, just kind of flashing forward. I think it was probably, Oh, maybe even a year later, I had a friend, she, she sent me a message on Facebook and she at some point had been back on that trail and it was in the springtime. And she found that same area, which that's not like a, a special area. It was just a random place on the side of the trail. And there were pink flowers growing all 
like sporadically around the cross. And I just thought, okay, that's my double validation. Oh, I get like um, chills with that. That's so beautiful. It was, it was a very, very powerful time. Um, so, so through everything we've been through, you know, that God's been, God's been there. He has, I I've seen him. I felt him. He's spoken to me through my patience. I feel, um, and throughout all that, you know, I was able to maintain my full-time job. I was able to, you know, get through the complications that, that did arise, like with, you know, reconstruction and having to have a revision surgery and, you know, no matter what, at the end of the day, he, he was always there and always providing in some way, whether that was financially or, you know, with renewed health or um, opportunities, everything was moving forward. So that was primarily, you know, 2016 and 2017 for me. I've, uh, as of this past February, this past February was my five-year um, anniversary of my cancer diagnosis date and this coming, which is amazing. And as we all know, in the cancer community, that's a huge milestone. So now you're kind of looking at, you know, this life after chapter cancer and, you know, there's kind of coming full circle with this whole, you know, fertility thing too. So kind of seeing maybe where God takes you and, and where all of that happens. Um, have you talked to your oncologist about kind of next steps and like where, where to go from here? Yeah. So actually just, uh, this past Monday, I was able to meet with my oncologist or last Monday. And that was the big subject of that appointment was talking about when we discontinue the ovarian suppression. So we agreed on this coming August as being the, the final um, dosage of the ovarian suppression. And then he feels that our chances for conception after that are pretty strong still. So what's neat is, you know, with that ovarian suppression, all of the eggs that I would have been releasing on a monthly basis over you know, those have been preserved. So um, instead of being, you know, a, a 34 year old woman or 35 year old woman at the time, you know, conceiving, it would be more similar to, you know, me when I was 29, as far as what I, what I have in, in terms of egg supply and he feels optimistic, you know, we we're optimistic too, if that's God's plan for us, if that's the story that, that he's unfolding for us, you know, we're ready for that chapter. Um, I do think that this time, you know, being married, we, since we had postponed our wedding a, a year and got married in 2017, um, I do think this time has allowed us to grow closer as a couple and, um, you know, strengthen our relationship and letting us heal together from what we've been through, you know, because there are a lot of things that have been just very, you know, traumatic and complicated and um, so complicated with what we've been through, but, but we've really been able to nurture our relationship in that time. And so we're optimistic and ready to see what, what, what August, September, October, November. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it could be an interesting 2022 for you. Um, Good way. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, you really, I mean, I was only married a couple months and then the cancer diagnosis, but you know, you were just engaged a couple months and like, it's, it's a lot for a couple to go through. And I, and I do feel, um, couples can either get really strengthened by something as difficult as cancer, or it can definitely, 
um, you know, shine a light on, you know, on, on a difficult relationship too. So, you know, obviously I've talked to people on, on both sides of the coin. I feel so far fortunate to have had my husband who is, you know, such a rock in my diagnosis and, you know, such a cheerleader for me, um, you know, then and, and now even too. So I can feel, you know, the love and support that you have. And, and it is, it's, it's when they say for sickness and in health, like it's, you know, really a challenge that you're in the midst of going through, you know, at that time. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember whenever we walked down the aisles, you know, postponed a year. I remember whenever Ryan and I met up in front of our pastor at, in the, in the ceremony hall, I remember everybody along with us, we just took a big deep breath. It was just the most relieving exhale. It was a big, ah, you know, we're finally here. And it was so much more than a wedding for all of us. It was a marriage. It was a, it was a new chapter. It was a, you know, a symbol of where God had, had taken us to. And um, it was just a, a profound moment in our relationship on top of being, you know, when we became husband and wife. I read this article that you had written about the day that you ultimately found out that you had cancer and you kind of stubbornly said, you know, you were planning, like you had a dress, you were planning to go out and you still went out and like, you were still this like unit and still determined, you know, to, to find the joy in this cancer. And I think that that, that moment you described in this article and, and feel free to like, you know, you know, explain it more, but it kind of seems like it defines you two as a couple and like who you are. Absolutely. It, it sure did. Um, I had received the call that I had cancer while I was out. My, my coworker called my husband and fiance called Ryan and uh, he came to get me and, and we went home and we sat on the couch and we cried together and we just really didn't know what to do. We had already had dinner reservations for our favorite, you know, romantic restaurant that night. Um, you know, it was February so it was right before Valentine's Day. So we, we were just so excited for this. And we were hopeful that my results would be benign. And so that was the idea was we were going to celebrate good news. I had bought this red dress that I really liked. And um, that was going to be our, our Valentine's, our celebration. And, you know, when we didn't get the news that we were hoping for, you know, at first in both of our heads, we thought, uh, oh, no, we're not going to dinner. Are you kidding me? You know, we just got the worst news of our lives. No. And then we sat on the couch and, you know, my first worry was that I would never laugh again. I, you know, I was concerned about my joy, you know, would that be something that I would be able to hold on to, you know, this rush of, of thoughts. And then just the thought of, you know, sitting at home and, 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 and dwelling in these kind of dark and scary thoughts that evening. It just, it wasn't appealing to us. So, you know, we talked and we thought, well, what if we still went? What if we don't cancel our reservation? What if we go? And we thought, well, all we can do is try and see how we do. So um, fortunately in this particular restaurant, the ambiance is nice and the lights are low. So <laughs> as we were sharing our dinner together, you know, we, we both shed tears you know, we cried over, over our food and, um, no one else was really aware, but it was an intimate moment for us. And it was a defining moment for us in, in how we would move through every chapter 
you know, we would just keep going and it does not have to derail us. You know, we may pause, we may step to the side at times, but at no time did it actually derail our, our plans for our life together and our, our relationship. So now every year we go back to that same restaurant at that as close to February 12th, my diagnosis day as possible. And uh, it's very symbolic. And it was, it's interesting that you bring that up too, because, you know, we know the restaurant owner and we never, he just always assumed that we come because it's almost Valentine's day. And this past year, when we were there, um, I shared with him the story and he was brought to tears that, and just, you know, what a, what a, what a compliment it was for him too, you know, that we chose his place of business to be our, where we celebrate life yeah. and living. Oh, so beautiful. I, I love that story. Like it just thank you brings me to my tear, brings tears to my eyes. Um, you know, my husband and I celebrated too. So especially during AC, it was, it was really, really tough. And so, you know, I felt like I'd have this weekend on and then this weekend off, you know, from, from kind of cancer. And so we celebrated every weekend off, you know, t- together. Um, maybe it was a car ride. Maybe it was a dinner out at like an off peak time. Cause you know, I still was worried about germs and, you know, all the immunity stuff at the time, but like, we try to do something to feel like our normal selves, you know, like this, you know, pre-cancer couple that we were. So, you know, it, it, it does like, you still have to keep living. You have to find these moments, these morsels, you know, wh- whatever it looks like for you, you have to like, still do something to honor yourselves as like a couple. And I think that that's, you know, really important just, you know, for, for any relationship. Um, so I can tell Mindy from talking to you that your faith is so important, like just in all that you share with, with us, but, um, you know, has your faith always been there or did you find that it like really amplified during cancer? Would love to know kind of like your faith journey versus like cancer journey. It definitely changed, you know, before cancer, I thought I walked closely with God, you know, from, from my pre-cancer perspective, but from the day I was diagnosed, everything changed in that you know, I, I begged God to, to make himself visible and palpable to me, tangible show, You know, I asked him, I prayed, God, please show up in everything I do. Let me feel you. Cause I was, I was scared. I was terrified. I didn't know what, what laid ahead. So I would tell you, you know, through my, my walk with cancer, my walk with God became close in a way that would be previously incomprehensible. I didn't know that that sort of walk was possible. Um, You know, I had read a couple of books that were pretty impactful, um, faith-based Christian books. And there was one that described the scene of a, of a man um, with cancer, go, getting ready to go into a surgery where he didn't know if he would survive. Mm-hmm. And there was a moment described there where he, before he went through the OR doors, he threw his hands up to God and said, God, I trust you. I give it all to you. And the moment I read that story, you know, that really resonated me. And so through everything since then, that's been my perspective is, you know, God, this is yours. My story is yours. You are writing it. I am living it. You show me the way demonstrate to me, you know, put, give to me the messages that, that you want me to give to others, please. You know, I, I felt like he's, he's had more in store for me. Um, you know, I may not always know what it is, but I just, I, I pray for God's blessings and I 
pray for them, you know, beyond measure to God's plan to be laid out for me. And it, it just, it has helped me to feel so close with him, as I said, in a way that I didn't know that was, was possible before. So it has been revolutionary for my, my own faith. Yeah, I love that. And it was a defining moment for me too. Um, and, and I explained to many guests, like when my mom first went through cancer, it definitely pulled me closer to God. But then when my mom had a recurrence, it definitely made me extremely angry and it kind of pulled me away. Um, and then during my own journey, it drew me closer with a sense of peace that I've never experienced and, and continue to experience in so many ways. And that faith and that release and that letting go and letting God, like it, to your point, like it's, it's, uh, it, it is, it's his plan. And, and when I surrender and, and I really learn the meaning of surrender and just letting that happen, you know, it's, it's so beautiful and you can see it through such a different lens when, when you just let God, you know, like to your point, I love that my story is yours and, and, you know, you're the author and, and you write it and I'm just living it. So it's, it's so beautiful. So thank you for sharing that. That's like, so, so like such a testimony and beautiful. Thank you. You know, there was also a moment um, when I was still trying to reconcile what, how my life was changing, you know, early on in my diagnosis, you know, my dad was a bit concerned about where, where did this come from? My dad was really dwelling on that. He's a man who's very analytical and has to understand everything. And of course we didn't, because we had no idea why, where, what. Um, so that question of course was being, was coming up all the time. And, you know, I, I didn't know, I didn't know where my cancer came from. And I, there was a moment where another, um, you know, the clouds opened up and God spoke to me. He put a message in my heart is very clear. Um, you know, and this has happened a handful of times in my life. It's not something that happens every day, but he, God did put a message in my heart. I fully believe that he had told me, you know, he had said, Mindy, I did not give this to you, but I will, I will get you through it. And that those words, I really latched onto those early on. I, I say, it's kind of like, I, I tied a knot in the rope and I held on, you know, once I heard those words, but that was a very clear and present palpable message that was placed in my heart. And I had zero doubts of where it came from. Hmm. So beautiful. And I, and this has been such an amazing series for me on faith. So I've heard from so many guests that, you know, anywhere from signs to nudges, to voices, to, you know, uh, just the Holy spirit, like basically coming through and, and giving you like messages. So it's been such an inspirational season just to hear this. And, and I do, I feel, um, you know, I, I, obviously I'm recording this, the pandemic's still happening, but just the stillness that has happened in the last year, I feel has opened myself up to so much too, just from, from his word and just, you know, being slowed down enough to, to listen. And I think that that's such a beautiful thing. And if there is one silver lining to cancer, it kind of does slow you down too. And, and, you know, there's been some triggers obviously with COVID that, you know, bring me back to like my um, cancer days, but there are some similarities too, um, which is the beauty of it, but then the slowing and like, you know, the, the being aware of God's presence, you know, in, in all of that. So I, 
I would love to know, um, like I know footprints has been, you know, really impactful in your life. It was hanging in like my parents' bedroom when, when I was growing up. And I think you even, you know, we were chatting before we started recording, but it's even like in your home today. And I would love, you know, for you to share that, just like what it meant for you for, for your cancer journey. Yeah. So, you know, I thought my faith was, was strong before. And as I had, had said, you know, it became stronger through, I, uh, I had a copy of that footprints poem. It was actually my grandmother's framed copy and my grandmother, she had, she had passed away probably at least seven or eight years before I was diagnosed. So that was a powerful thing that, that my aunt had gifted to me. She just sort of knew that I would, um, but I, I spent most of my time through active treatment on my couch at home and on my coffee table, I had that copy of her, of her footprints poem. And that was something that, you know, as the anxiety would mount, um, I just looked to it constantly. And that reminder that at no point was I alone, even if I was alone in the room, I was in God's arms. I, at no point did I have to wonder what was next because like the footprints poem, you know, God was opening one door at a time, you know, consecutively at no point did I feel like I was in a room with a bunch of doors and not knowing what one to open, you know, God showed us the way sequentially, um, in a linear manner for my, my treatment and knowing that, that I was being held during that time and just, you know, refusing to believe otherwise gave me such a peace of mind as well. I, that, that poem, you know, in my heart, it, it might as well be scripture just because it, you know, it encompasses so much of what God tells us in the Bible that he will never leave us. He will never forsake us that, that he is always with us. And it's always for, 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 for good, for his yeah. good, for our good. And, and I'm like a visual person. So even just seeing, you know, like with most of the words and the verbiage there's always, you know, that those footprints. And like, I think that that's such a, it's such a beautiful story, parable, however you want to, you know, describe it, but it's such a beautiful passage that I do to your point really exemplifies all, all the parts of the Bible and really who, who, who God is and, and, you know, how he carries us through, through really dark and sad times. That's kind of one thing I want to just touch on briefly is I really feel like you do an amazing job on social media. I mean, showing the real, the real part of cancer, you are hopeful, you are full of light, you are full of love. Um, but you also like show the, show the reality that, you know, this is hard. This is, you know, uh, it's, it's a journey. Um, all the parts of, you know, like fertility after cancer, like all of that are they're, they're difficult things. There, there are heavy loads for, for anyone to carry. Um, you would just love to know, like, you know, do you feel, I guess, inspired to share like all of the story or what kind of, um, it's been, it's been challenging, you know, during active treatment, it was pretty regimented and we were told where to go, when to show up, how to get there, all of those, you know, definite things. And in the years after cancer, I found that, you know, it's less defined and there's not a roadmap to it. So, you know, the way I've chosen to use my social media um, is to 
drop breadcrumbs throughout the internet and to be honest and to share the the share the good parts but but the darker parts too you know i i've i am a very strong believer in the power of sharing my story you know it in I know that there are other people who who are feeling the way I'm feeling. You know, I realize that if I'm feeling this way, I can't be alone. And, you know, it's so interesting because before my cancer, I was extremely private as a human. I I was not one to share any bit of my my personal life. I I strayed from I avoided that as much as I could. And, you know, I've I've always enjoyed writing. So social, social media for me has been an opportunity for me to just take what I write, take my writing and, and throw it out there. So my words with everything I, I share, you know, I, I throw them out there and, and I hope they land in a place where somebody else can pick them up and, and find meaning, you know, in what I have to say. But I, I do have, you know, some fundamental issues with um, some places on social media. I've found that cancer um, can be glamorized. And that's something that I'm passionately against because, you know, at no point through cancer and even now do I feel like any facet of what we've gone through um, as a community, as an individual, it has been glamorous. And I think there's, you know, there are accounts that, that tend to do that. And that's something that just, it hurts my heart because I think of, you know, the women who are um, earlier on in their their diagnoses and their, their journeys. And I think of, you know, wow, they're seeing this, this image and it's not what it is. So if I'm, if I'm, if I can put out, you know, my story and, you know, the, the different ways that I felt and how I've, you know, moved through hard situations and um, sometimes how I've just chose to, to sit in my feelings and, and to really be present, you know, I, I want to be that person who can validate and, who other people can identify with and know they're not alone because, you know, mental health is sacred. And, and that's something that I've worked very, very hard on personally. And, you know, if, if there's any positivity or any hope that I can, I can show others, then, then that's where my heart is. And, and if I can give back to this community, you know, even a fraction of what this community has given to me in my times of need, then it's all, then it's all worth it. And that's what drives me. Oh, that's that's so beautiful, and I, I completely, you know, I I relate, and I and I feel it, it was kind of a re- release, you know, the first time I wrote a poem after seeing myself, you know, like you know after surgery, and and you know my husband who was extremely private, basically telling me, no, you need to share this on your blog. People need to understand that it's not sunshine and roses every day. That cancer is a really, really difficult thing. But that freedom that that gave me, um, it, you know, obviously I continued on in that manner, but it, it, it allowed me to share myself and to be free and to, you know, be honest with people. And, you know, I, I am an optimistic person. I do see the glass half full. And, you know, with that being said though, there's bad days. And I do, you know, I think it is very important, especially from a mental health perspective, um, you know, that we're not all the same and, but, but I think we can learn from each other and I think we can help each other. And, you know, um, while there's been, you know, occasional, you know, dark clouds, I would say, you know, within the community, it is so 
supportive and so amazing. And so to your point, like, I just love to give back and to, and to help others and to, you know, add a little sunshine, you know, or, or reality Absolutely. or reality to, you know, to mm-hmm. their life as well. So that's so such think- a valuable part of healing yes. for, for us, for them, you know, and, and healing together, you know, that's even more rewarding. 100%. And I've always said like, you have to feel your feelings. If you don't, you're just disguising it there. You're just burying it away for another day, you know? So mm-hmm. you do, it's really important for you to express, you know, like what is going on, you know, in that moment, in that day, you know, you, you do, you just, I think the more vulnerable people can be, you know, the, the, the more they can achieve a, a higher level of self, you know, and, and that's, you know, so important. Well, as you may know, I ask every guest for a Tina tip. So it can be, you know, any, any bit of advice, you know, it could be someone just finding out that they're diagnosed. It could be someone really trying to charter these, you know, uh, you know, life after cancer waters, which are really difficult. It could be someone, you know, undergoing, you know, fertility afterwards. Um, but just, any kind of advice, it could be faith-based. It doesn't have to be faith-based. It can be practical, but what kind of advice would you like to impart uh, to the listeners today? So for me, I, I tend to be someone who gets overwhelmed when I look at the big picture of anything. So something that I found to be very helpful early on in my diagnosis is to set small goals um, small reachable goals. So sometimes that goal was to, you know, to get to tomorrow. Sometimes it is, you know, having something to look forward to. That was very valuable for me is always scheduling something to look forward to, you know, to keep me mentally moving forward. What something that I would suggest too is considering, you know, around those difficult anniversaries or difficult upcoming events like surgeries, procedures, is scheduling something enjoyable for beforehand. So that way you can approach that difficult day, not in, you know, as deep of an anxiety state, but perhaps in, um, you know, with, with optimism and with excitedness and setting, setting those small reachable goals though, that that's something that's been very helpful for me and always having something to look forward to no matter how little, no matter how big, even if it's just, you know, a phone call with a friend you haven't talked to, but something to keep you moving forward, you know, with, with eagerness and with positivity and with, um, you know, with a, with a sense of, of propelling yourself forward. I love that. And when I was doing radiation, I had these little like tear off things. There was like 25 of them, but just each day counting down, like each day, like it just made me feel like I was moving ahead, you know? And, and when you get to halfway of something, it's a big deal. And, you know, like I, I had, um, even like these bracelet bands for AC. And like, when I was done with one, I put them like in this little, you know, treasure box that I had, that was like really meaningful to me. But it like took it from my arm and then I placed it, you know, somewhere where I could kind of honor it, you know, but I I do think that that's great. Like these, you know, small reachable goals um, and they can be whatever is important to you um, just to kind of something to look forward to. You know, I love what you describe of having that visual to it also. So, you know, it doesn't always have to be an event. It can be it can be a small reward. It can be, you know, allowing yourself to do something that that you, you know, haven't haven't thought that you could do. Um, 
you know, I, I just, I think that that one day at a time, that incremental approach to it really has a cumulative effect when you look at it, when you zoom out, you know, you see how you got kind of like, you know, stepping stones, you, you jump to each stone and, and you, you live in that space for, for that time. And, and then you, you move forward to the next. Yeah. I love that. That's a, a beautiful example. Well, Mindy, if people want to find more about you, where, you know, where are you most active in terms of social media or how, you know, how can they find you on, on your digital footprint, let's just say. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So um, I am on Facebook as Mindy Miller Draffin. And then I am probably nowadays most active on my Instagram account as it relates to my cancer journey. And that is at Miss Mindy Miller at M-S-M-I-N-D-Y-M-I-L-L-E-R. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being a part, part of DJ Breast Cancer. I, I truly appreciate you being a guest and being so honest and, and open with me today. Thank you so much for having me, Tina. It was an honor and I'm so flattered that you asked me. I, I love your podcast and I just really appreciate you finding value in my words and the digital footprint that I'm leaving. And, and I, I appreciate yours just the same. Oh, well, thank you. Thanks, Mindy. You're very welcome. Thank you, Tina. Bye. Bye.